0: Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices.
1: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the
0: show, Efren Guzman.
1: The Atomic Podcast, this summer day weather. I hope everybody out there is doing great. My guest today, he is one half of the three-man power trip in the Gerwig Report podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Frank hey, Frank. Frank, welcome, hey, welcome hey, back, brother.
0: Hey, how you doing, Efren? How you doing, man?
1: Good, good, man. It's a pleasure to have you back, man. We were talking for a little bit, laughing, and, you know... Marinating about wrestling, I'm talking a little bit about horror. Before we get into horror, tell me what's been going on on the Gurick Report podcast with you, Teddy, and Steve. How's everything going on that front?
0: Everything is going good, man. You know we're blowing up every single day. Uh, Teddy Long is, is a part of our show now, which is a great blessing to have a man with 30 years' experience in the wrestling business as part of our our threesome here. So we're doing big things on that front. We got the YouTube channel youtube.com/slashgurick.net. Uh, uh subscribe to our channel we have lots of content up there that we've done with people like eric bischoff Vince russo Tuco scorpio the list goes on and on so uh we're doing that myself and my partner abby green we do another podcast called the raw deal podcast which is exclusive to our youtube channel and that's pretty much our take on it uh two brothers you know i'm talking about wrestling and you know putting our spin on it you know little uh language here and there so uh, also check that out but other than that man everything is copacetic. So
1: but the Raw Deal, you basically do a Raw review, right?
0: No, the Raw Deal is basically, um, we talk about everything that's going on in the business. So we'll just go on there and talk about TNA, or we'll talk about Monday Night Raw, or we'll talk about SmackDown, or we'll just talk here or there. It's just the, its just—it's a variety type of show, pretty much. It's just more more explicit show than what you'd hear on the GRP show.
1: Oh, so hence the title, The Raw Deal.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, man. Tell me a little bit what's been going on in wrestling, because I've been a little bit behind on WWE front. I know Seth Rollins is back. John Cena is back as well. What's your take on him and how his storyline is going to pass further? Like, what, what do you predict is going to happen?
0: Um, basically, right now, uh, John Cena came back on Monday Night Raw, and uh, he had a conversation with the phenomenal AJ Styles, which AJ Styles turned heel. And reuniting himself with uh, Anderson and Gallows, you know they're the club, which is basically a playoff of the Bullet Club, that, you know a group that they were associated with. So um, it looks like they're gonna feud AJ Styles and John Cena, and everybody's saying that John Cena is pretty much gonna bury AJ Styles. So look forward to that. And uh, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, it looks like they're gonna continue this program uh, through the summer. Um, I don't see Seth Rollins eating the belt back right away at Money in the Bank. I think he'll be fed uh, to Roman Reigns since Roman Reigns is right now being pushed as the guy. Other than that, you know, they're doing the brand split right now. Raw is going to be its own brand. SmackDown is going to be its own brand. And this is supposed to be taking place on uh, Tuesday, July 19th when SmackDown goes live on the USA Network. So. That's pretty much what's uh, going on right now in the world of wrestling. It's uh, pretty much the same old, same old.
1: What do you think is going to happen with the brand split? You think it's going to be the same like it was before, or you think it, was, is it like you think are they going to separate tag teams again, or you think they're going to just take tag teams to go to to you know to go to Raw or SmackDown? Because remember how they separated the Dudley Boys from the last um um the split when they had to the split last time.
0: You know, we kind of speculated about this, uh, and, and it was kind of more concerning about the New Day. Because the New Day came out on Monday Night Raw, and basically Shane McMahon stated that tag teams would be split in oh. this brand split. So I don't know about that. I mean, the New Day right now, even though I think that the uh, the storyline, the you know, the characters are pretty much uh, you know stale at this point, um, I would not split them up. They're WWE's cash cow. They saw a lot of merchandise. So if you remember back in the original draft in 2002, when uh, Ric Flair drafted the nwo he drafted them as a unit yeah. so um, i'm expecting they the uh the new day to be drafted as a unit wherever they go now as far as um the, the tag division i mean there's been rumors that it could be exclusive to one show while the women's division is exclusive to the other show but supposedly there's going to be two world champions as well so we don't know yet and uh, still no talk right now as how how does nxt uh fit into this equation either so so kind of like a wait and see situation.
1: I think NXT won't be affected right there, right? Because it's more of an online thing. NXT is more online. So basically, I think it's just going to affect like basically Raw. And who knows? They might have a, a new title belt, you know, with, you know, how Charlotte's belt has like the red highlights and there's people, there's memes of people putting like that championship belt with the blue highlight to make it like the SmackDown brand. You think it'll be something like that? Or you think it'll be like a whole new title thing?
0: I would have to say that I would think that they would create a whole new belt. You know, people are are expecting at this point for them to bring back the the big gold belt, which was the original uh, belt from the WCW. They're thinking they're going to bring that back, and that'll be the SmackDown Championship. I think that's a that's a bad idea. Yeah. It, it basically, you need to split. You need to really get out of everybody's minds. The last brand split. And have SmackDown have a championship belt that's equal to the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Which I never thought the Royal title on SmackDown, the big gold belt, was ever on par with the WWE Championship. So, I think if they want to do it correctly, they got to make SmackDown equal to Raw. And that's going to take time. Because they've watered down SmackDown. They've made SmackDown feel pretty much inferior to Raw. And you got to build up that consumer confidence back to say, hey, SmackDown is an A show. SmackDown is on the same level as Raw. So only time will tell, like I said before.
1: I don't. In my opinion, I don't think SmackDown was pretty much ever relevant until, like, The Rock, you know, was still in wrestling. And, then, you know, the whole wrestling series with Benoit and Guerrero. You know, I think at that time, Smackdown, SmackDown was at its peak. And then, you know, then The Undertaker took over as the main star of SmackDown. But... You know, SmackDown is more like the highlight reel show where you see what happened from last week on Raw. And, you know, like a lot of guys I talk to who still watch wrestling, nobody really watched SmackDown. They had that, you know, the dead time slot for Fridays. And, you know, it was really irrelevant, though. Like, you think, what do you think needs to happen as, as, you know, as an insider and a wrestling guy? Like, what do you think needs to happen? you think this brand split will, you know, and having certain wrestlers there will make
0: it better? I think if they put... Some talent on SmackDown, and I'm, I'm right now two top names that I'm thinking about going over there are John Cena and AJ Styles. Yeah. If you take these components over there and bring a couple of other guys, I, I think it could work. But once again, it's all about building SmackDown back up to say that this is the same level show as Monday Night Raw. I, I'm telling you, the you know, Raw being three hours is the shits, and if they take the the guys that I like to watch on Raw and put them on SmackDown. I really have no reason to watch Raw anymore, to be honest. So that's where it's gonna be. As far as what I said earlier about how does NXT fit into this equation, it's very simple. They gonna have to have talent from the NXT brand. You got people down there like Samoa Joe, you got Bobby Roode gonna be debuting soon, Austin Aries, Fan Balor, you got Nia Jax, you got Bayley, you got Carmella, all these different talents down there that are gonna be eventually moved up to the main roster. So that's where I'm kind of concerned, is how, does this, how is this going to affect NXT? Does NXT have the talent to back it up once these other talents go up to the main roster, like you know Samoa Joe, Finn Bauer, Nakamura, etc.? How
1: do you think um, Nakamura's been faring in on
0: NXT? I think that he's been doing pretty well. I think, though, that if you if you first look at him and all his antics, and you haven't followed him in New Japan, you're kind of like, well, what the hell is this shit? But once he gets in there and starts throwing down, you'll see, oh, this, is, uh, you know, this, this guy I can go. So, it's kind of like uh, one of those things where it's still a work in progress. But I think Nakamura is doing fairly well. He's not, you know, put into a situation like Takamishinoku Noku or Naki was years ago. He's being himself. And that's what's going to get him to the top.
1: But, you know, a lot of the Japanese wrestlers never get their just due. And, you know, any Asian wrestlers, you know, you could go from the laundry list of Yoshitatsu and Shofunaki and, you know, Jimmy Wang Yang. You think he's like, you think if he ever goes to the main roster, you think he's going to be highlighted as a main event status wrestler?
0: That's hard to say. It it really depends on if Vince McMahon has changed his philosophy on Japanese or Asian wrestlers. I, I have no idea. Um, I know that he failed with Yoshitatsu. Yoshitatsu was an incredible performer there, but they didn't yeah. do anything with him. Same can be said about the Ultimo Dragon when he came over there. Same thing be yeah. said about Jimmy Wayne Yang. The only one I actually ever saw him do anything with was you know, Tajiri. But that yeah. was just basically him going off of what he did at ECW. So yeah. I don't know. Time will tell if they do it. I mean, you also have Hideo Itami, also yeah. at yeah. NXT, yeah. going to be coming back as well. So it, It's pretty much, it's, it's like I said, it's going to be a wait-and-see situation.
1: You think it's like the hindrance of their English language? You think that's probably the hindrance, or it's just like you said, like, it's up to Vince. Like, oh, well, you know, I don't, know, I don't like the way he looks, so I'm not going to put him in a main event status.
0: I think it might be the the language barrier. I yeah. think that might be the, the the thing here, and just how how they work. It might not be what the casual fans are used to, especially when they're seeing a lot of these guys like John Cena and Roman Reigns wrestling the same way they wrestled at WWE Sal. So I think that can be playing, uh, uh, you know, playing a part in that, too. But, you know, you have a guy like Triple H who's a wrestling guy. I think he knows how to get around these little things here.
1: I know, like, NXT, their takeover specials have been excellent. And, you know, a lot of people have been raving about their specials and, you know, the matches that, you know, showcasing the the younger talent. Also, the established, I like to say TNA talent because that's where they make their stomping grounds, you know, like Samoa Joe. Even though he's Ring of Honor famous, but... You know, TNA, you know, really showcased them on a broader scale, more televised, even though TNA is not really up to par as it used to be. Do you think the way AJ Styles is right now on Raw and SmackDown, he's so popular having Samoa Joe, you think it will make a tremendous difference if he was showcased on Raw or SmackDown?
0: I think so. I think if you have Samoa Joe there, you can see, you know, some of these matches that people want to see, like Samoa Joe, John Cena, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles one more time. But this time on the bigger stage of WWE to show the entire world what they were doing when they were in TNA. You know, that's that's the thing here. It's going to be when they bring these guys up, the opponents that they match them up with and make sure that it's a big deal.
1: What do you think about TNA? Because I know, you know, you talk about the dead brand. Um, (laughs) What's what's your opinions on TNA right now?
0: Um, I don't have any opinion on TNA, honestly. I mean, <laughs> there was the uh, there there was the, the uh, discussions, you know, a while back that they were going to be bought out by a company called Aerolux, and now looks like that's not going to happen. Now, and um, you know, I actually said yesterday on uh, the the GRP, I was actually going to watch this week's episode of Impact, and on next week's GRP episode, I'm going to give my uh, you know my thoughts on the current you know the current TNA brand and current direction that they're going. And I have not watched Impact in a couple of years. So I'm actually going to watch it and, and you know, kind of critique it and, and get my thoughts on it and really, you know, prove if they are a dead brand or not. You know, that's pretty much what it is. I would, you know, and I was saying this on the uh, GRP show yesterday. I would love to see TNA's uh, buy rates because, you know, you have all these TNA loyalists out there, all the TNA fanboys. I want to know if they're actually really supporting the product. Yeah. And, I, a- and, I, and I guarantee you they're not.
1: I know. To me, um, TNA is almost like the New York City cockroach. They survived so many things where people say, "Oh, they're done. They're under the bridge. They're they're washed up." But you know, a lot of good wrestlers left TNA. A lot of established legends left TNA. But TNA is still standing for some apparent reason. And you know, they're big overseas. I'm surprised. You know, they don't do their show mostly in England because they have a huge crowd. Sometimes it makes, or unless they make the crowds look bigger, because there's a lot of fans out there in England or wherever they go to that it looks. Compared to America, it looks way off. Like, America looks way off compared to the shows they do overseas. What, what What is so fascinating about overseas that they like TNA so much?
0: You know, I don't know. I think maybe it's because they don't get to see TNA very often. That could be what it is. But at the same time, the last tour that they did over in England didn't really do that good. It was one of the, the lowest drawing tours they've had. So I think that that kind of luster is uh, kind of wearing off with uh, the dead brand as it relates to uh, England. And over here, it's really never been here. I mean, TNA, I actually thought could have been a, a viable alternative to WWE years ago. And there are no way, shape, or form going to do that now. Unless they get somebody, you know, like a Ted Turner to come in and actually finance a company. And you got to get Dixie Carter out of there. You get people in there to actually know what they're doing. And maybe you can stand in the ring with WWE, but you you know WWE is that big eight hundred pound gorilla over there that you really can't uh, fuck with. What
1: do you think the biggest mistake in TNA has been? Is it the established legends? Is it is it Bischoff and Hogan? Like, what do you think was the start of the trickling falling down effect of TNA?
0: It was pretty much um, these people, these wrestlers coming into TNA and basically. Going after Dixie Carter and getting her brain and basically telling her a bunch of bull, you know, that they could help the company and this is what they need to do. And, and, and pretty much what I mean is it's these, these WCW guys that come in there that run their mouth about things and don't you know, mention the fact that, you know, a lot of these ideas that we're talking about right now help to put that company out of business. So she's, she's a money mark and they saw that as a money market she didn't really have any knowledge really of the business so that all played into why TNA is at, at the place it is right now and any company that is talking to TNA they're making it very clear if we take over as you know majority owner of TNA we don't want Dixie Carter and that's the holdup is they don't want her but she wants to still be in charge like well you know bring the money in but I still want to be in the company I still want to be the president of the company and nobody is going for that.
1: You know, TNA needs to do some major overhaul. You know what I'm saying? Like I watched it a few times and you know, it's not, you know, it's not the same. Like, you know, it's I like I have no idea what they're doing. Like, I don't know, there's one storyline that happens and then the you know they don't continue with the storyline. It's just it's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? You know, I you know, I, I hate seeing, you know, something that was so good that had the potential to keep going forward, just trickle down, almost like when WCW at the early times, like you know, they're you know they were doing their thing, and then just something happened along the way where everything was starting to crumble down. It's just it's just a sad state of affairs in you know TNA. I think.
0: Yeah, it's been a sad state of affairs in TNA for years, and they really came to light the moment that Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles left the company, and that's where I, I really stopped watching. I said right there, you you let AJ Styles go you wouldn't give AJ Styles who pretty much was right. the franchise of that organization you wouldn't give him what he wanted and you let him go like he was nothing so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad Styles is gone, I'm glad Styles is, is, has gone on the bigger things, and he's finally in a place where, you know, they, they pay him good money, and he's a, a worldwide, you know, superstar now, I mean, not to say he wasn't before, but everybody now knows who AJ Styles is because of that WWE machine, so I'm glad AJ Styles is doing great, a lot of people say AJ Styles is being buried, that's debatable, I think let's just wait it up.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm just glad that, you know, he was just still AJ Styles, you know, and um, I'm glad that he showed, you know, the fans his, his, you know, his moves and his arsenal if they never watched him in CNA. but the only thing I hate about it is that he can't really use the Styles Clash or at least the other moves that he used to do. Um, why is that? Is there, is it banned? Like, wh- what is up with that?
0: Well, AJ Styles just uh, wrestled Kofi Kingston last night at the SmackDown tapings and he actually beat him with the Styles Clash. So the South Clash hasn't been banned. I mean, he's been using it, but he brings it out only at, you know, in certain times in the match, uh, not to overdo it. You know, his his main finisher, I guess now, is the phenomenal forearm or the calf crusher. So it's a lot of different variations of moves that he's doing right now. But I, I will agree with you that WWE has really toned him down a lot, which I have no problem with because... AJ Styles has been running hard for years, so eventually he was gonna have to slow himself down in order to be, you know, have a longer career in WWE. I mean, I think he signed on for like two years or something. So we don't want to see AJ Styles getting hurt doing something stupid in a match that didn't really mean anything. Let's save those type of spots for the big match, you know, you have with John Cena, another go around with Roman Reigns, or a possible go around with you know Randy Orton or Seth Rollins. You know what I'm saying?
1: Now to get off the wrestling subject and to talk about horror news, which is I have you on, um, John Carpenter, the creator of the original Halloween films, is going to return to the franchise as the executive producer on the new production of the new Halloween. What does this mean to Halloween? And as a fan, I know you're a big, big fan of the Halloween franchise, which is your favorite franchise. What do you think him being part of the production team means for the film Halloween?
0: I think it brings you know, the person back who created the shape. And that's what it is. It's just bringing John Carpenter back into the fold as far as what he can do for the for the franchise at this point. I don't know. You know, a lot of damage uh, was done to the Halloween franchise because of what Rob Zombie attempted to do in his two movies. And um, there's a lot of stuff that has to be done here. I mean, you got to take it into a new direction. I don't think it can be the same story of, you know, Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. I mean, they've, they've done that a million times already. I think that we need to see something fresh, something new. And, uh, you know, we were bouncing back ideas, you know, you and me and a couple other people uh, were bouncing back ideas. And one of my ideas I had was to continuation from, you know, Halloween H2O. Where her son goes after Michael Myers uh, at this point, it ha- it has to be something different, man. It can't be the same old same old. And I'm um, I'm wondering though if John Carpenter is actually enthused about the project, because if you remember back, you know, back in the day, he reluctantly did Halloween two. <laughs> yep, I remember
1: that. You know, and you know, I, I don't have a problem with Halloween two. I thought it was an an okay film. You know, what I have a problem with is, you know. I know he doesn't mind getting the money as long as his name is on the title and you know he you know this is a franchise that he created and you know th- this is 38 years after the original Halloween and and he says this is going to be the scariest film of them all but I just want to know like how much input and how much story you know creativity he's going to have in this film you know because his name is going to be part of it and I'm excited that he's going to do a new soundtrack for it but I just want to know how much input he's going to have in this movie
0: well you know if it's if it's a new john carpenter with new enthusiasm about the project i think that's going to be a tremendous positive towards uh what they're trying to accomplish here and basically breathe a new life in the the franchise um but as far as creativity goes i don't know i mean you know something i'm a, I'm a john carpenter fan yeah. i enjoy his films Um, you know, I was actually, um, just got done listening to, uh, Christine, you know, that's the movie he did back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and I look, I look at the movie he did and then I listen to the, the book and it's like, he kept a lot of shit out of, out out of the movie from the book. So hopefully this time around when it comes to Halloween, you know, he, he's pretty much, I don't want to say we need a Michael Myers backstory, but we need some type of an explanation of why he's doing this. I mean, I think a lot of people were kind of like, well, you know, um, having a backstory is kind of stupid because it makes them less scary. You know, I think if you, you put something there, I think that that could take the, the film into a new, another direction. I mean, they came up with the whole angle of, of, of Lori Strode being Michael Myers' sister. They came up with that at the last minute. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's had years and years and years of thinking about it, and, and like I said before, hopefully... You know, with him being a part of the project, you know we'll actually get some movement because we've been stalled for a new Halloween film for you know a few years now, and there was supposed to be one supposedly coming out, you know, last year and the year before that, and the year before that. So I don't know, man. I don't I don't really know at this point, uh, in, at this stage of the game, what he'll what he can bring to the franchise other than the name John Carpenter.
1: Yeah, I think you know what you know. Uh, looking at hindsight, I think what ruined. Not ruined Halloween, but what made it have a clutch is having Lori Strode as a sister. You know, you have a big name like Jamie Lee Curtis. She grew on to do other things, and she never really was part of the Halloween franchise until her career was kind of floundering and then went back in H2O. But, you know, when you give the shape, the supernatural force, the entity of Michael Myers, when you give him... A face and you give him a, a backstory as a as as a child who was just dark and demented. You humanize him a little bit. I think what they need to do is just make him like a, like a force of nature. Like you know they like they said in the first movie, he was just a force of nature. Like you don't know, you know, like you really don't know much about him. You don't know, you know, there wasn't no circle of the thorn. You know, you didn't. There was nothing to that. It was just left in a shroud of mystery. And of course. As 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 we are, we want to know what you know. What what's the mystery of the puzzle? Like we want to know what's 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 the whole deal? Like Darth Vader was so scary back in the Star Wars franchise when you knew nothing about the man. You didn't even know if he was a man. You know, you thought you knew he was a machine, and you know, you heard the stories from Obi Wan Kenobi, but knowing that he was a whiny child, and he was just a kid who left his home planet, and you know, it, it sort of made him like a like a regular Joe. Like um do you think Michael Myers you don't really need to explain Michael Myers. Do you think they should just keep him in a shroud of mystery? What do you think about that? I
0: I think that you can have a little bit of a backstory as far as like you just said there's some clues, but a full blown you no. Know, I think if you <clears throat> if you were to take Michael Myers and, and do something like that, it would have to be spread over a couple of films before you get down to the nitty-gritty of why he's doing this. But I think the first movie, honestly, it, it probably, you know, it, it maybe you go back to basics a little bit, but you can't tell the same story. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm I'm tired of, of seeing Michael Myers trying to kill Laurie Strode. I'm, I'm, that's been done to death. You got to take it to a new direction. And that's what apparently they're trying to do, take it to somewhere it's never been before, which is going to you know, be hard.
1: Yeah, you know, those 10 films have grossed nearly $400 million worldwide. And, you know, there's toys there's shirts you know it got you know it got merchandise you know I, you know I Michael Myers got um the kiss effect you know like there's kiss condoms and this this and that Michael Myers got you know you know um um drawings artwork um uh, toys um they have those little memes you know it got you know it it got you know um kidified which I like to say the same thing with uh Friday the 13th franchise do you think halloween needs to just elevate the kill level does it need to be rated nc-17 or make it darker
0: you don't have to do all of that if you can have a a good story yeah you know you, you don't need to do all this other stuff that doesn't need to be done and if you have a good creative story and you can tell a good dark story and you can i mean look at the first halloween film the first halloween film is scary simply because of the shape and the music yeah. The music treatment is what really made that movie scary. Without the music treatment, and I'm going to tell you right now, because I've watched Halloween on mute, okay? Yeah. Without the music, it's not scary. Mm-hmm. But when you have the music going, and you, you just, this guy that you you're really not see in the face, you just see you know his shoulders or whatever, and that's pretty much it. But when you are immersed in this environment, um, it, you, you don't have to have... Uh, uh, NC-17 you know, rating or anything like that Are you don't have to have all this gore because the first Halloween wasn't built about that the first Halloween didn't have any gore the second one had that because they were trying to compete with Friday the 13th after Friday the 13th came on the scene and and really upped the level as far as the kills and the goriness and all that stuff, you don't have to do that as long as you have a creative story as long as you have uh, really good actors and you have a director that really, you know can to, to see things that we are not going to see. You can have a a, a great A movie right there.
1: Yeah, you know, from H two O and then Halloween Resurrection and the whole you know um, the rapper of the week. You had LL Cool J and Busta Rhymes in movies. Like they definitely need to you know get away from all that. Um, Rob Zombies Halloween films. Um, what can I say about them? You know, he he took a lot of cues from um John Carpenter. Um, the white trailer trash kid who was whiny. Also, it was almost like an Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars. Like, you know, it, it was, it wasn't, you know, I understand his direction, what he wanted to do. He wanted to be totally different and he didn't want to deviate too much from the original storyline, but I don't know. It was just, it was just kind of muddled. It was like a little bit all over the place. You know, I'm a big fan of Rob Zombie. I love House of a Thousand Corpse and you know, I love the devil's rejects, but I don't know, something with Halloween and Halloween 2 with the whole, um, the white horse and the, like the storylines was just all over the place, man. It was just kind of muddled. Um, they need like a straight direction with that. You just need to just focus on the shape. Um, are you a fan of the Rob Zombie films and what did you thought about those?
0: You know, the Rob Zombie films, the only thing I liked about the Rob Zombie films was I like the mask that they have Michael Myers wearing. They have yeah. multiple different masks. I, I love the mask he did. That's the only thing. That I liked. Other than that, like you just mentioned the 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 white Trevor Park trash Myers family, I did not care for that at all. That was just completely opposite, and that's pretty much what you see in kind of like a lot of Rob Zombie films. Is they they all have that, and a lot of the problem too with the, with the Rob Zombies, uh, the Rob Zombie Halloween's, is um, they recycled a lot of actors from his previous films. That that was a that was a big problem for me as well. Uh, you know, he he tried to keep to the original uh, script in the first movie with his little touches here and there, as far as trying to present a backstory and the backstory that he went to try to tell is something that you would see on the ID channel. As far as what makes a serial killer, he had Michael Myers killing animals yeah. when he was a little kid. So that right there, I'm kind of like you are right there. Humanizing Michael Myers in that, in that regard, you don't know, start the movie off with this guy being the supernatural force and He's already humanizing right there by having him kill animals, and he's, you know, doing this, doing that at school. And uh, it's just, the movie was garbage. I'm just I'm being honest with you, it was garbage. And then, when I look at Halloween 2, which I was actually excited about, like, let's see what he does here. That was his own thing, man. That, that movie right there was his own. And that right there was pretty much, you try to combine a Halloween movie with Friday the 13th. Trying to tell the, the same story like the mother's there and the mother is telling him to kill. Okay, am I watching Halloween or am I watching Friday the 13th? Am I watching Jason? Yeah. Because that's pretty much what I got from that. So those were two failed experiments. It's kind of like uh, when I when I think of this, I, I kind of go back to uh, Batman and Robin back in 1998. Yeah. Or 1997, I should say. It killed the Batman franchise for years up until Batman begins. Same thing here with the Halloween series. Halloween series has been dead up until when they're going to resurrect it here with John Carpenter.
1: Yeah. And, you know, John Carpenter is also doing the score. I'm kind of curious to see what, you know, what, how the music he's going to implement into the film. And, you know, he's doing, a, he's doing a tour, like a John Carpenter tour, like where he's playing like the Halloween themes. And I think he's coming to New York or he, if he came to New York, I think LA, um, he's, you know, and he's playing themes from all his other movies. I think the thing he's doing uh, Assault on Precinct 13, he's playing like a lot of his themes. I don't know if you heard about that.
0: No, I didn't hear about that. But I, that's that's great. I actually have—I'll uh, tell you how much of a Halloween mark that I am. I actually have the the Halloween uh, you know two soundtrack on my phone. I listen to it all the time. So you know, I'm I'm a big fan of that, that music and what he can do with the score. If he, if, you know, it's kind of like what can he do? Yeah. With, with the music, I mean, it is he's gonna have to make it scarier? You can't get no scarier than what he's already done. So that's why I'm kind of intrigued. What is he gonna do with the score, people? Honestly, you know, look at uh, John Carpenter and they'll say, well, you know, he's kind of a hit and miss type of guy as far as his films go. But the guy puts out pretty good product. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Halloween, I saw it on Precinct 13, you know, um, you know, John Carpenter's Vampires back in 1998. Yes. That's one of my favorite, favorite, you know, vampire effects of all time. So the guy could do it when he wants to do it. Is he want to want to do it Halloween? Obviously. He wants his name back on the, the rights to the movie. So I think that right there is, uh, you know, he wants to make money. He doesn't want this to be a failure. So I can't wait to see what they come up with. I mean, this uh, you know for yourself. Ethan, this this whole thing right here has gone through hell as far as this studio, that studio, but the moment that they were able to get away from the, the previous studio, I think it was the uh, the wine scenes. Yeah. And now they and now they have uh, the new company they're going to go with. I think the sky is on what they can do with Halloween. Finally. Yeah,
1: and you know, um, if if. If it is a reboot, if it is a remake, you know, um, I'm I'm pretty much all for it because I've sat through the Rob Zombie remake and you know I, I enjoyed it, you know I didn't hate it, but I enjoy you know I enjoyed it. Um, if they can do a remake and get you know at least one established actor as as the Sam Loomis role and have everybody as unknowns, I think it could work. I, I think it could really work. And 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 you know John Carpenter doing a different take on it, and it doesn't have to follow beat for beat. What the seventy eight film did, if he has his if he has a different story, if he's gonna be really hands on like that, I'm just looking forward to seeing what vision, if you know, depending on how much input he has on this, what vision can he show the fans now of two thousand sixteen and how could he change the film?
0: You know, that that's gonna be the the, the key right there of of what can they do with the Halloween franchise in 2016 that they have not done before. I mean they tried to bring the the film into the millennials when you know when they had Halloween Resurrection so they they've tried that.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: so it's kind of like what can you do now that's different that we haven't done? You know, we they they have to learn from the mistakes of um of other franchises. I mean, look at look at how you know um they ruined the reboots with with Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Oh. Uh, horrible, point. horrible, horrible movies. I mean, you know, when you look at uh, look at Nightmare on Elm Street, they had hinted around about Freddy Krueger as far as a pedophilia goes, but they went full blown in that movie. Completely yep. killed anything that that Freddy Krueger had. And when I think of Freddy Krueger, sorry, I think of uh, Robert England. Yep, yep. That, that's that's who's Freddy Krueger. When I think of of Jason, I think of Kane Hodder. Yep. Pretty much. That's yep. that's how it goes. So. I, you know, hopefully this time around, they can do something that's different with the franchise. I'm all for, you know, the idea I had of, of maybe the son going after Michael Myers. But it can't be no Curse of Thorn or any of that shit. It has to be something original.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like, I hear your idea about, like, I just don't see Josh Hartnett coming into the role. And it will be kind of hard to get somebody else. Another actor play Laurie Strode's son? I'm saying, you know, it could still work because they had Paul Rudd do Tommy Doyle, which, you know, Paul Rudd is a superstar now. And, you know, they can get anybody for that role, I guess, to do that role. But I just don't... I, I don't know. I just don't see like what what storyline could you do with the son coming back, like how's he gonna find Michael Myers and what's he gonna do for revenge and you know that then, then in the last scene of that movie, he was just an amoric half burnt to like a french fry, so like I just don't know what what could they continue from that storyline like I just see them going in a totally different new direction, either a reboot or in a, or or a totally different story to get to the Michael Myers point, you know um. I don't know, like what if you know? You say you want to see like the sun go after revenge. Like what storyline could you see happening from that? From after resurrection, what could you see?
0: Well, that's that's the thing about you know being a a writer. You know, you could go back and right the wrong with that situation. Yeah, and yeah, you know, we saw resurrection; he was burnt to a crisp, but do we go, do we, do we play off of Resurrection or do we go after, well, you know, kind of with the storyline I'm going with, you would kind of have to play off of Resurrection a little bit because, you know, they, they had Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie Strode, their character was killed in like the first five minutes of the film, Yeah, you know, and after, and after that, the movie was pretty much unwatchable, but you would have to, obviously, you, you know, you don't put Josh Hartnett in that role, you bring somebody else in, in that role, and I can say maybe, uh you know, Josh Hartnett's uh, character, uh he is a, a police officer or something like that now. Yeah. He's a cop. And uh, our bounty hunter. And, um, you know, he, he's always, you know, he's out there doing his job, but he's always been looking. He's been gathering evidence, intel on where Michael Myers could be. So, I mean, I don't know, man. You could, you know, it's, you can't, you can't, my idea, you can't really associate it with any of the zombie films because Laurie Schroeder was still a youngster. It, yeah. it has to go back to, it, it would have to go back to Resurrection and H2O. And what you just mentioned there as far as, um, um, what she said as far as it being burnt to crystal, I, I don't really know how it actually could work now because of that. So yes, it's so many, they've, they've done so many stupid things in the franchise that there could be no continuity at all because they've, they've ruined that. So it would have to be something fresh. I mean, they're saying it's not going to be a remake or a reboot. So yeah. it'd be a completely new film. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, that's what, you know, my idea has always been, like I said, as far as the sun goes, and I actually saw, um, Saw you know a story a couple of years ago where they actually kind of had the similar idea of, of the son being who was going to you know be a major focal point in the movie, but that was part of the wine scenes. This is something new, so I don't know.
1: Well, definitely looking forward to that, and you know who knows? Like we'll definitely talk about this when the actual film comes out. I don't I don't even know when it's what is 2019 2018. I have no idea when this film is going to come out, but um, it's just very intriguing that you know you know all the, all of the times. Um, John Carpenter wanted nothing to do with the film and he didn't mind having his name there because he still get residuals from that, that he came back, you know, to, I guess, you know, finish or start a new legacy. And I'm just looking forward to it.
0: It's kind of funny because, you know, John Carpenter is coming back now and, you know, he wants his name attached to it. But, you know, he signed his rights away many, many years ago. Like a lot of directors have signed their rights away to to different franchises. I mean, look at Wes Craven. Wes, I mean, a lot of people think that Wes Craven... Uh, had something to do with Nightmare on Elm Street. He didn't have anything to do with the, the franchise. I believe after the, the first one, he may have came back with some some films later on when the, the franchise was dying. Same thing with uh, John Carpenter here with Michael Myers. I mean, he took something here, but to get it finance, he sold his rights. So it's crazy.
1: Well, you know what I'm saying. But I think this film is going to be really good, and you know, I I just I just I'm I'm just looking forward to it, and I just pray that we see the definitive version of Michael Myers. You know.
0: I think they'd be making a huge mistake, though, if they wait until 2018 19 to do this. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge mistake. They need to be, like, working on this now for a release date of 2017. That's what I would do.
1: Yeah. I know. I hear that. I think they were, I, I forgot what company was going to do something, then they uh, dropped out of it, and then I don't know who got the rights back, but, um, I, you know, who like having John Carpenter a part of it just brings it to a whole nother level. You know, I think they were talking about doing like a Halloween 3d before, and I don't know, to 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 this perspective of like Michael Myers, it was supposed to be in 3d, which was, it was supposed to be, there was one that was supposed to be a continuation of the Rob Zombie film. Then they had one with Todd Farmer and I think another writer where it was going to be in 3d, but you know, I think, you know, you start, you, if you're gonna end it or you are gonna continue it? You continue it with the man that made it all possible. So I think it's a win-win situation.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, you know, Deborah Hill, you know, passed away years and years ago, so she's not gonna be a part of it. But if you you bring John Carpenter in and then you bring a lot of people who had you know success to do with the first film, as far as from the creative side, I think you got something there.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, thanks a lot, Frank. I appreciate that. Um, tell everybody where they can find um, Gerwig.net, of course, at Gerwig.net, but tell everybody where um, they can hear the shows.
0: Uh, you can hear these shows right now at Gerwig.net in the audio section, also on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and you can download it on iTunes as well, as you can check us out on YouTube.com slash .net. We have uh, tons of interviews up there with the likes of Tuco Scorpio, Bobby Eaton, Eric Bischoff, Vince Russo, my main man, Teddy Long, and so much more. You can check that out right now at uh, youtube.com slash our or youtube.com slash net is the URL. And uh, check out our content, uh, You know, like our videos, subscribe to our page, and uh, check us out.
1: Yeah, the three-man power trip, Steve Gerwig, Teddy Long, and the big man, Frank D.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And thank you fans out there, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.